book because remember we said this is thematic to the whole book. But some lessons that we learn from Esther. And then I'm going to ask you a question as we get move on a little bit further into tonight's study. But the first lesson I think we learned is that we're created for God's. Do you know what it is? I've kind of given you a hint. We're created for God's purpose. Okay? This is a lesson that we learned from Esther. Really, Esther and Mordecai. Uh, this is a lesson that we're created for God's purpose. I talked about that uh, as well in one of my primary points uh, this past Sunday about uh, that we have this purpose, uh, that Jesus talks to Peter about this purpose that he was created for, and his particular purpose was to include feeding and leading uh, the sheep, but that all of us have this purpose. And all through the Bible, if you're looking for purpose in life, you can find it in the stories of the Scripture. Because, in fact, all the stories point to a purpose, don't they? They're not just like, here's a nifty little story. All the stories in the Scripture point to purpose, that we have purpose. And so that's why studying the stories or the characters of the Bible, which is an even better way to do it, I just started studying a character I have studied before, but it's been a long time. I'm working back through the life of Elijah. And who said that? Oh, Connie. I just started that today. In addition to some other places, I spent uh, uh, another book. I'm working back through the book of Ephesians and uh, in my own personal time. And, uh, but I started studying the character of Elijah. Again, not Elisha, but Elijah. A remarkable character, and uh, you know, James said of Elijah, he was a man of, uh, of like passions as you and I. We have a tendency to elevate characters, but we, we miss the fact that they were humans. And so they battled and struggled with things like you and I do, and so we can learn from their life, but we can also see that God had purpose, right? And so Esther reminds us, the story of Esther reminds us that we're created for God's purpose. And, of course, it's specifically reflected in this book. A second lesson that we learn from this book, and in particular from the providence of God reflected in this book, is that God has granted us the freedom to choose. Now, if you haven't been here for that, uh, we talked about providence and sovereignty, but also the parameters in which God has allowed us to to impact with uh, our choices. Our own life is the, is the life that's most impacted by our, our choices, but God has enabled us to make uh, choices so we can choose. He's granted us that freedom, all right? Uh, again, I would just refer you back to our previous studies instead of spending a lot of time there again. A third lesson that I think we get from uh, this book and uh, the ideas of God's uh, providence is that our prayers can affect God's God's plan, or you could even say plans. Now, remember, we spent a chunk of time there about how our our um, prayers uh, do, in fact, uh, register in heaven and do make a difference. Uh, and yet, in His sovereignty, He's going to fulfill His plan, but uh, he, he has allowed us to be able to uh, 
to ask him. And often we see him saying, not his big plan is being adjusted, but I've heard your prayer. And so I'm going to respond to your prayer. And so we've learned that our prayers can affect God's plan. And then number four, we learn that God's plan and his, well, word, ways, will. Uh, that's really the same thing. When you say his word and you say his ways, that's really uh, God's plan and his will, God's will, are about his glory. You know, I wrote in a column recently that everything eventually gets back to God's glory. It's all, everything gets back to God's glory. Sooner or later, everything is about God's glory. I'm spending time in the Word early this morning, and I'm reading in Ephesians, and it talks about the riches uh, of our, uh, our inheritance to the praise of His glory. The riches of our inheritance in Christ to the praise of God's glory. So, so our inheritance is, of course, life, but it, it, it reflects praise to God. And brings glory to God. If we understand that, Paul says that you would grow really in your knowledge and your revelation, that you would have wisdom in these things. So God's plan and God's will uh, are about his glory. And when God's will is carried out, God will be glorified. Both in the short term and our in in our personal lives as well as in the big picture and the corporate life of God's people. Let me ask you, all right, if you, if there are other lessons you think that we, we, we got or you got out of what we talked about with Esther, Mordecai, and the providence of God. Anybody else? You have anything that you say, we ought to add this in there. Good? I think these are the big lessons uh, that we get from this. Now, I want to I ask you a question, and here's my question. Having studied this, and we're not finished, we're going to look at some more things here in chapter 7 in a moment, but how can you be a modern-day Esther or Mordecai? So I want you for just a, a few minutes to give me some ways that you can, reflecting on uh, Esther and Mordecai, I want you to think for just a moment, how can you be a Do we need some modern-day Esthers and Mordecai's? I, to ask the question is really to answer it, isn't it? I mean, we, we all agree. Yes, yes, we, we do. Uh, we have always needed Esthers and Mordecai's. But how can you be a modern-day Esther or modern-day Mordecai? Somebody tell me one, one way that you can do that. Available. All right. Be available. All right. Available to God. Here am I. Send me. That was what Isaiah said when he had the vision of God. When he saw God, he said, uh, Lord, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people that are unclean, but if you can and you will hear, use me, here I am, send me. I'm available. It, it is always the right thing to say, Lord, here I am. I, I'm available. Um, we had years ago, I don't know, gosh, I bet it's been a decade uh, ago, 
when we were doing a prayer summit one night, we had one of our little guys. Some of you might have been here. And one of our little guys, I guess he was five years old. And, and we had asked him to lead a prayer in, in the prayer summit, this little guy. And uh, we, didn't, we didn't tell him what to pray or anything like that. We just wanted him to pray representing the, the children. And he said, to, in my view, the best line of anybody in all of our prayer summits over all of the years that I'd ever heard. And, and when I say it, some of you may have been there and remembered. When he's praying, toward the end of his prayer, he said this, and I quote, And Lord, you know if you need me, I'm right here. Were any of you here that night when, when he prayed that? Some of you. Was that not the coolest thing on the planet? I tell you, that just blessed me. I, that's why out of the scripture says, out of the mouths of babes, he has ordained praise for himself. And that's why he said, let the little children come because of such is the kingdom of God. Because they just get it, don't they? Jesus, you, you know, if you need me, I'm right here. In other words, I'm available. I'm ready. Tell me what you need. And I'll do whatever I can. Well, so availability. Look, we need childlike faith. And we need childlike availability. Right? I want to tell you, that's a powerful combination that God can use. Childlike faith. God, you don't have to prove yourself to me for me to trust you or believe you. And God, if you, if you need me, I'm here. I stand ready to do whatever I can for you. Isn't that a cool thing? Somebody give me something else. How can you be a modern-day Esther or Mordecai? All right, seek God. You can, let's just say it that way. You can be uh, a seeker. Years ago, we don't hear this term much anymore. We had a movement in the church growth movement. It was called, um, guys were starting churches, and they called them seeker-friendly churches. And it's interesting because the Bible says no man seeks after God. But what they were is let's design a church that's kind of non-threatening to anybody and especially those who are outside. And the intention is good and I understand that. But we don't use that term much anymore. But I got to thinking about that recently. I thought, you know, because I'm preaching on on seeking God, as I told you, this coming Sunday and the next week. I got to think, we ought to be seeker churches. But they ought to be about uh, seeking out God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength, shouldn't they? And helping people understand what it means to really uh, seek God. How can you be a modern-day Esther Mordecai? You become a seeker. You remember that, that Esther, after she was asked, she prayed and fasted. Do you remember that? She prayed and fasted, the Scripture says. And so you can be a modern-day Esther or Mordecai by being a seeker of God, a genuine seeker of God. Somebody else, give me another one. Selfless. He must increase and I must decrease. Right? John the Baptist. He must increase, I, I must selfless 
uh, in our approach uh, toward the things of God. Sacrificial. Both of those are, are really two sides of the same coin, that we have to be selfless. Uh, I don't know about you. Isn't it hard to get ourselves out of the way? Have you ever noticed how hard that is? You know why that is? Because our flesh doesn't die well. The scripture says no, no one ever hated his own life, but nourishes and cherishes it. In fact, in the Greek, it means it's the idea of hugging. It's like hugging ourselves. No man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it. He hugs it. He loves it. And it's hard to get yourself out of the way, isn't it? Now, let's just pause there for a second because that's very important. How do you get yourself out of the way? And, and, and if you manage to do it, is it one and done? Don't you wish? Right? It is a daily battle, isn't it? Have you ever noticed how cunning yourself is? <laughs> I know that sounds grammatically weird. But yourself is pretty cunning. Because you know what? Yourself will take over and you don't even realize it. Right? And something sometimes interrupts that or after the fact. You're... So how do we get ourself out of the way? All right, we keep our eyes on Jesus. We, we keep fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, the writer of Hebrews said. Keep our eyes on Jesus. What else do we need to do? If we're going to get ourselves out of the way. Immediately repent. We talked about in staff yesterday repentance. That whole idea. What is repentance like? Because it's, again, it's one of those hard concepts to grasp. And uh, I... Uh, Bradley Roper uh, was responsible for our staff devotion yesterday and, and so that's where he led us in talking about this whole idea of repentance and you know we typically say repentance I, I shared you know repentance we typically say is 180 degrees right you know the Greek word means I'm going this way and I stop and turn around and go back this way but um, I said but have you noticed I told our guy I said have y'all noticed that a lot of times, instead of doing a 180, we do a 360. Right? We repent and turn all the way around instead of heading the right direction. And the, the fact is, it, if you and I are going to get ourselves out of the way, we've got to repent. When we know that self is there... and. And there's a training process that goes on. This is a maturing process in the faith. Uh, as you mature in the faith, you should become more and more and more aware of the influence of your flesh on you. Does that make sense? So if I'm growing in my awareness of the power of my flesh, then I should also become be more aware of when I need to repent right because so what else would you do to get your flesh out of the way by the way Paul said we are to mortify it did you know that's the Greek word mortify y'all know what mortify means 
kill it. Kill it. Uh, and uh, you can kill it, but it comes back to life, doesn't it? Right? Self is, well, self, and self is based in pride, and pride goes before the fall. Um, what, what else, okay, what else are you going to do to get yourself out of the way? What's that? Fast. Uh, again, I would, I'd probably put that right here. Seeking God, fast and pray. Uh, seeker, yeah, that'd be the word of God. Uh, spending time with, with God, certainly in all of these ways. Seeking Him and spending time with Him are certainly connected, right? And... Um, Ah, obedience. That's a four, whether you realize it or not. Obedience. Um, look, that's part of the story of Mordecai and Esther, isn't it? Obeying even at peril of life. Obeying even at peril of life. Um, and obeying means obeying his word. So you got to spend time with him to know what you need to obey him in, in order to deal with your flesh. Look, your flesh is never going to tell you to obey God. It will never tell you to obey God. And by the way, if... If you know the right thing to do and do not do it, it is sin, James said. So, so when you know the right thing to do, you are obligated to do it. Right? Um, like it or not, you're obligated to do it. Because you know it is what God wants you to do. Obedience is huge in getting ourselves out of the way. Because self wants you to obey you. Anything else you'd add to this list? Getting, getting rid of self. Okay, there is a cost involved. Look, in, in sometimes in following Jesus, in seeking Jesus, in... Um, obeying him there's there's a cost and and uh that's why that's what paul is talking about in part when he talks about mortifying the flesh uh dying to self um and there's a cost jesus said that he that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom what's he saying there is a a cost in this series eventually not this series but in the sunday series that i've started one, I'll go ahead and tell you, one of the messages that I'll bring, at least one of the messages is going to be on the subject of suffering. Suffering. I, I think he was, Glenn. I think he was pointing to the fact, remember, he, was he told him how he's going to die, you know, and that it was there's going to be a price to be paid, um, and which is why, again, as I said in the message, Jesus was wanting Peter to get 
you've got to be in love with me, otherwise you won't be able to, to handle what, what's ahead for you. By the way, think about this. You remember when Paul got saved? You remember what God said about Paul? I will show him what great things he must suffer for my namesake. I've always wanted to ask these prosperity preachers, what do you do with that? Because I think Paul was probably more spiritual than all of y'all put together. So why didn't God just rain down nothing but blessing and health and safety on, on the Apostle Paul? And do y'all believe God was with him? Yeah, how could he not be and, and sit in a prison and sing praises, Right? Um, Ephesians is a prison letter. I told you I started in Ephesians. It's a prison letter Paul wrote from Rome. And he starts off with great greetings to the brethren. How do you send greetings? I'm, I, you know, he didn't say, I'm in this prison cell. Y'all pray for me. You know what he says? I thank my God in my remembrance of you and pray for you that you would have wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of God. Look, in a prison cell, I just know, I, you know, my flesh, I just, I, I know my flesh would want to take over in the prison cell. Because it wants to take over when I'm not in the prison cell. Right? So, um, uh, how, how do you do that? Well, in the midst of suffering, that's, by the way, that's a spiritual thing. Uh, you know what? You would find more grace than you think in times of suffering, and more of awareness of of um, His presence often in suffering than when things are going well for you. You know that He knows that we are of uh, a but flesh. The Scripture says He knows our frame. The Psalmist writes, and that we are uh, we're we're flesh. We're dust. Uh, that's another way, a kind way of saying, God knows that you and I are weaklings. And because of that, he applies grace to us, oftentimes in suffering. Um, and so, uh, how can you be uh, a modern day Esther or Mordecai? Let's add some more uh, to our, our list. Anything else you would add? We... Okay, all right. Um, carry out the mission. Right? There are people out there that need the message. Um, and so we have to carry out the mission. That's how. Remember, and if I perish, I perish. This is my mission. This is my purpose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live out the purpose. Okay? That's good, Spud. What, what, anything else that you would add to this? Uh, I... Courage, I would make that a separate, a separate thing. That, uh, and by the way, you know, let me tell you where real courage comes from. It comes from the Holy Spirit ruling in your life. It's not the absence of, uh, of fear. It is a replacement. It is a, a courage that comes from the, the Spirit of God. Um, I want to tell you something that I... I have been praying a lot in the last few months. Lord, 
when my faith is tested, I mean tested, tested. When my faith is tested, give me courage to stand. Give me courage to stand. Look, I think we're headed toward that. Read my column this coming Sunday. I, it's entitled, what, what Time Is It Really? You know, a couple weeks ago, I answered a question about the mark of the beast, and since then, I've had more questions come, and, and uh, a couple of those have been, Pastor, do you think we're living in the last days? And so I write my column about that, and I give just some practical illustrations. I had to quit. I may have to do a part two and a part three and a part four column. I, I don't know. I just had to quit. It was, there was just so much, and I filled it up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, but since you're the special uh, people, y'all were special, you know, because you come on Wednesday night. Um, and uh, because you are, I will tell you, my answer isn't going to shock you. Are we living in the last days? The answer is absolutely yes. Yes. Now, time, how is the timeline? I don't know how precise it is. But I'll tell you this, the pace is quickening. Things are happening faster that are in line biblically with the prophetic scenario of the last days. When? I don't know. Are we? Absolutely. Maybe a hundred years. I just, you know, well... I'm not going to give you my column right here, but uh, but I have prayed in the last several months, Lord, in that hour, don't let my faith fail. The Bible says this, when the Son of Man shall come, will he find faith on earth? Isn't that a shocking statement? Jesus said that. So when I return, will I find faith on earth? The answer is yes and no. In the last days, there's going to be a falling away. I didn't have space to write about the falling away i may do that next time there's going to be a falling away folks we're already seeing that i used to say that i think we're moving toward that i i don't believe that we're already seeing a falling away a dramatic falling away by the way you didn't ask for all of this but since y'all started that with this um do you know do y'all believe god has warned america been warning america y'all believe that right I do too. I think he's, he's fired several pretty serious shots across the bow. And you know what we've done? We've gone further the wrong way every time. Now you say, yeah, that's stunning. It's exactly the pattern of Israel. For example, the Babylonian captivity. Nebuchadnezzar in 604 B.C. invaded uh, uh, Judah and Jerusalem, and he ransacked the place, but he did not, he did not destroy it or take Israel into captivity. He just kind of set up uh, operations and he ransacked it. 604 B.C. A warning. The prophets told Israel, "This is a warning. Repent." Do you know what Israel did? They went further away from God. So almost 20, 19 years later, 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes back 
and he destroys everything. He says, okay, I'm just going to destroy everything down here, and I'm going to take you captive. That's when they went into the 70 years of captivity, and he, he, he utterly wiped them out, set the temple on fire, uh, reduced Jerusalem to a rubble. That's why Nehemiah has to come back. Remember when Nehemiah comes back? Because we've looked at the book of Nehemiah. And remember he comes back and the city is in ruins. And he talks about the burned out remains. Everything was leveled. What happened? God warned them. By the way, that wasn't the only warning. But God had warned them and warned them and warned them. And they kept going the wrong way. They kept going. They didn't repent. They didn't turn back to God. And so finally God wipes them out. That should be sobering. But we... We always say, well, why don't we get it? We don't get it because no one seeks after God. And we always explain it. We're so smart, right? We always have an explanation. And then we have arrogance. that says, we'll, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. We're seeing some of that right now. We're living with that right now. Uh, so... Uh, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The answer is yes and no. How can it be both, class? Because there will, the Bible teaches something, there will be a remnant. There will be a remnant, a holy remnant. It may be underground. It may be underground. But there will be a remnant. Um, but by and large, there will be There'll be uh, uh, the pursuit of God and faith will be completely abandoned. We got some Gideons up here. We got probably got some more out there. I don't. Know. We got a bunch of Gideons in this church, and I love the Gideons. You know, put the Bible. I think the first little Bible I ever had was a Gideon New Testament, a little a little uh, Burgundy Gideon New Testament, and I got it when I was in elementary school in Birmingham. And I remember we get so excited because they'd let our classes go. They just They'd come to the library, and they could actually talk to us, guys. The Gideons could talk to us, and then um, they would they would have these boxes full of Bibles, and we were all so excited about getting the Bible. I think it was my first one, that one of those little Gideon Red New Testaments. Uh, and that can every year, every year, you know, they'd come back. Um, Gideons have been one of the most credible ministries for uh, a thousand years. No, I, probably not that long. I don't know how long Gideons have been around, but not a thousand years. Uh, but do you know uh, it's getting harder and harder for the Gideons to get any in anywhere? Um, these guys were just telling me that uh, on one of our major university campuses, um, they, a couple of professors, they were over there distributing Bibles. A couple of professors come out and said, this will be the last year you do it. And they are already down from having distributed previously 8,000 Bibles now to 4,000 Bibles. When the Son of Man shall come, will he find faith on earth? You, you see the falling away? Uh, so, uh, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage. Uh, how else shall we um, be Mordecai's and Esther's? Boldness. A boldness. Uh, and I would link that to conviction. Now, by the way, biblical convictions. There are a lot of people that are 
and full of convictions. But for conviction to be, in my view, valid, it needs to have a foundation. And so uh, uh, biblical convictions and that enable us to be bold. Uh, you go read the, the first few chapters of Acts and it talks about their boldness. How they, they boldly took a position. By the way, in an era when it was much harder than it is now, at least in America, uh, to, uh, to stand up for what you believe. Bob prayed some. Did y'all hear Bob pray, Jude? Help us to contend for the faith that was once and all delivered to the saint. You say, Jude, where? In the book of Jude. Jude only has one chapter, so you don't have chapter division. So just Jude. Uh, and it says that we are to contend for the faith once and all delivered. That means stand for it. It doesn't mean try to beat somebody up. It means we are to stand for it and not give it up. It's an interesting state because it says once and for all delivered to the... Did you get that? Once and for all. doesn't mean there's a new, there's a new uh, set of, of truth that God's going to send down. God's delivered his truth once and for all. Our task is to, to live that truth, uh, proclaim that truth, uh, and, um, and stand on that truth. All right? And so, uh, boldness and conviction. Our, our time's almost up, but w- a couple more. How you can be a modern-day Esther or uh, Mordecai? Faith. Genuine belief. At some point in time, you've got to move beyond just saying, if it doesn't make sense to me, I won't accept it. Now, I'm all for as much of things making sense as I can, but sometimes, sometimes you're going to have to just say, God, I don't get it, but I trust you. You, I have too many things I can look back on my life and see where you have proven yourself faithful. So I too will be faithful to you. And without the assumption that you always have to explain yourself to me. Uh, so uh, faith is what... Um, the, the task of Esther and Mordecai um, I mean, in essence, can be reduced to their to one thing: their trust in God. And uh, and so you can be a, a an Esther or Mordecai by genuine faith. You've heard me tell the story. Of Billy Graham had that crucial turning point in his ministry, where he said, "God, I don't understand everything that's in this book," but. I choose now to believe it. I'm just going to believe this is your word. And I'm going to trust that. It was a turning point for his life. If you're always negotiating with God or trying to convince God to explain himself about everything, and sometimes he does. But you've, you've done this before, haven't you? you? Most of you got kids in here. Most of you got kids in here or have. You said something to your kids that went something like this. Just trust me. Just trust me. Now, before I was a parent, and when I was 
a kid, I had made a commitment. And my commitment was that one day when I was a parent, I would never use those words. I quickly gave that commitment up after I became a parent. Just trust me. Now, tell me why you said that to your kids. Okay, experience. I tell our staff, they roll their eyes back in their head when I say this, and sometimes I'll say, no, we're, that's not, we can't do that or this. And if they say, well, why, 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 I'll just say mileage. You know, you got, you got mileage. There's something to it, isn't there? Something to mileage. By the way, it doesn't always make you right. They're, they're blessed because they have a guy who is always right. Right. Uh, uh, arrogance. But I, really, I, I'm a very humble guy, and I'm proud of that. Um, but now, why did you say that to your kids? Because, well, it may have been sometimes. Because you just didn't have the answer, right? But you knew it was right. And a lot of times it was because, and most times it was because, you knew that you could not explain it in a way that they could understand it. Correct? And so there was no point in... You, in trying to explain something, you knew they didn't have the capacity to understand. You just simply said, trust me. Trust me on this. You've got to trust me on this one. You've got, you got to trust. Well, think about it. We are children of God. Sometimes God says, yeah, the, you, you, you wouldn't understand it. He even said uh, in, in the Gospel of John, he said, there are many more things I'd like to say to you, but you just can't comprehend them. Every once in a while, God says, I just need you to trust me. And I'm not going to explain myself. But my track record is good. You just trust me here. Beyond your ability to understand. Not always, but generally down the road, you'll be able to look back and see, okay, now I understand what I didn't understand there. And even if you never understand it all here, you will understand it there one day because the Bible says we will know even as we are known. So our, right now we see through a glass dimly, the Bible says. We can't quite put it all together, but one day we will be able to. And so... So right now, we trust Him. We just, there are things we just have to say, God, I don't, I don't understand it. So at that point, by the way, by the way, when you understand, it doesn't require a lot of faith of you, does it? Right? I mean, you still have to be people of faith, but, but it's the thing that you can't put the pieces together on that requires you to say, okay, I'm at one of those places where I have to say, I either trust you or I don't. And I'll, let me close with this. So what causes me to say, I choose to trust you then? It, it really is true. It really is true. I didn't think you'd use my own words. Uh, but it, it really is true. Mileage, that is, I can look back and I can see what God has done in the past. We don't live in the past. 
And we have to be careful that nostalgia doesn't trip us in the present. The devil will try to use the past to trip you up in the present. Are y'all with me? Because he'll do this. I'll remember. I'll remember. And you start tugging and we say, yeah, it was so good. By the way, it wasn't nearly as good back then as you think it was. But we have a way of blocking out any struggles often and just thinking about the nostalgic good times. Oh, I remember the day, you know. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking back and remembering how God brought you through something. Especially things you never thought you'd get through. And then allowing that to help you be people of faith. That's the mileage. Be people of faith right now because back there, I remember back there, he brought me through. So I don't understand right now. But because of back there, I will trust him here. Right? And if you trust him here, guess what? Then you'll have a tomorrow too to walk into. Okay. All right. So I wanted us to, to answer that question. I think it was uh, an important question as it connected to uh, this whole idea of providence and Esther and Mordecai. Uh, we're going to make some faster tracks here uh, in, the, in the next couple of weeks. Chapter 7, we will, I'm going to knock out the whole chapter. Well, I, I probably shouldn't say that, but I think I will uh, next week. Uh, but um, at any rate, we, we are going to look at chapter 7 next week. And so if you want to do your homework and read up a little bit on that, uh, you that's where we're going, okay, and see what insights the Lord may give you that you can share uh, in this setting.